You know, in the past when we've done this, we've gone through each song. Yeah. <clears throat> We're going to do, do that today. Yeah. That's going to be some, some great show notes. We're going to have to start yeah. right away. Yes. And so, you should like group the show notes five songs at a time. Do you want to do that? I mean, that's, uh, it's up to you. I mean, oh, do you want to actively do that? Actively do the show notes? Do the grope, the, gr- the groping. <laughs> Sorry, the grouping. Forget it. My dumb joke fell apart before I even got to it. So never mind. Okay. I tell you what. Tell yeah. You, I'll do it. I'll do the show notes. Okay. And if I think that that joke's worth it, I'll come back to it. But I don't think it was. I think it fell apart for a reason. Happy it fell apart. Totally fine without it. All right. It's good. Hey, everyone, ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And Tim, I have a little trivia question for you. Okay, I sometimes like trivia. Yeah? Um, Could you guess, or do you know, how many full-length albums the band Guided by Voices has released? No EPs, no solo efforts. Um, Greatest hits? Say that again? Greatest hits? Uh, No greatest hits, no compilations, no re-releases. Into this century? Yes. Um, Which I know is against the rules for this podcast, but... The strict rules. Yeah. But a lot of rules are bending these days. I'm going to say 27 albums? Hey, that is very, very close. There are... If if I have the correct information from Wikipedia... Uh That's your source. 30 albums. Oh, why don't we name them all? Devil Between My Toes. No, we're not going to do that. But wow, that's a lot of albums, right? Yeah. Or is it? Is 30 a lot of albums for a band that's been around since probably the early 80s, so coming almost up on 40 years? Um, I feel like it is. How many Rolling Stones albums are there? But no, they've been around longer. How Counting many, the Greatest uh, Hits, there's yeah. seven Rolling Stone albums. What about the, what's another band that's got the same lifespan? Um, R.E.M.? Or they they started earlier. Uh, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about REM, but I do know this. <laughs> yes, Guided by Voices. That, that that that's a band with a lot of, a lot of albums. That's that's a valid uh, starter of a question. Are they a band you like? Are you a fan of Guided by Voices? I do like Guided by Voices, but I don't know Guided by Voices. I do you have, have any of their albums? I have two. Uh huh. Um, and you introduced me to the band, which is why I think you should probably introduce the audience to the band um, if you want to do that. The draw to this, to Guided by Voices for me, is that they're musically, they kind of resemble a, um, a composition book. You know, like those, uh, those black bound notebooks you kind of get in college. I, I used to carry those everywhere. I'd scrawl down all my ideas and titles and of songs, little cartoons. You know, prior to phones, anyway, I always carried one of these notebooks around and just jotted everything in the world to it, into it, and it, it felt creative, but also just felt like a a marker of of just every thought as it came. And to me, that's guided by voices. That's what their fucking albums are. There are a bunch of sounds, a bunch of ideas, put amazingly to melodies that shouldn't work and shouldn't work as an album, and somehow they get released to the world. Somehow they get released to the world. That's that's a good statement because you wouldn't think necessarily 
there would be a, a label, but it, it sounds like Matador is the label to do it. And I think there were smaller labels before Matador came came along um, that would bother putting out some of this stuff because it is so unfinished sounding. And and I, I'm going to just say this caveat right at the upfront, because if, if anybody is a huge Guided by Voices fan that's listening to this podcast, I do only have the two albums. Um, and so I, I'm not... I can't say that I'm speaking to the greater work of Guided by Voices because I don't know it. I was intimidated by it, and I never got around to to what trying to. What was intimidating to, about it? What, what, what did massive. you know to? What was that? Because it's massive. Because the amount so of much. work. <clears throat> yeah, the amount of work. Because um, I came to I came to it through you. Um, with this album, Alien Lanes, you were playing the album. You probably put it on some mixtapes that I was listening to. Um, and when when I moved away, um, I tried to – I think I've talked about this before on maybe podcast number eight. Uh, <laughs> when I moved away, I kind of went and bought some of the albums that I didn't have access to anymore. Uh, some Paul Westerberg stuff, some replacement stuff. And this Guided by Voices album. And as I got into this album, um, I really wanted to get more from the band. And as I researched the band, I was like, oh, shit. So they got eight albums out already. And maybe by this time they had nine or ten where I was actually like looking into them. Um, maybe we should jump into this because we're going to talk yeah. today about Alien Lanes, the album that really solidified my fandom for them, got me into them. It sounds like someone you heard too. Yeah, This is a 20 20- Eight song uh, album. Um, just right off the top, do you like this album? Oh, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you listen to it a lot? I don't listen to it as a complete album all the time. I have key tracks that I absolutely adore off this album that are on my phone, and so they come up when they come up. Um, but yeah, I, I very much enjoy this album. So the opening track, the very first track on this disc is a song called A Salty Salute. Yeah, it's it's a great bass line that opens it. I assume it's something about a a dick maybe. Oh gosh. Just that idea have, of, of a salty salute. I mean, I that to me is like a middle finger right off the start or something. And that's you think a, a nice message, a good opener for the album and for the band? I think so. I mean, it, it, it's nice that it has the line the the club is open right there at the beginning like it's it, it kind of sets a stage a little bit. It, it walks you gently into this mass of songs. And it goes straight into uh, Evil Speakers, which is a great name for a song, the second track. What do you think of Evil Speakers? Is there Are there too many titles here to remember what's what? There, there are too many titles uh, for me to recall the melodies of all the songs. There are some key songs here that, that I know really well. Um, like for instance, the baseline to a salty salute was playing in my head as we were talking about it. Um, uh, but evil speakers, I can't, I can't tell you, I couldn't sing it to you right now. Um, wouldn't know the melody, just trying to recall it. It feels like it already started and we're kind of jumping into like a song that's already kind of begun. Like it is a song. It has a structure of a song, but it's missing in a beginning. It's, it's missing it, a the, finale. You say it has a structure of a song. I, I don't think a lot of these songs on here do have a structure of a song that, that I think is more common where you've got a, a verse, chorus, verse type of refrain. No, they feel like parts of that, though. There's, there's part. I mean, it's like here's the verse. 
Um, and then here's maybe where this could become the chorus if we ever actually repeated the song back, but this is all we're going to play. Do you like that idea? Do you like the idea of a part of a song kind of being right there on an album? I mean, I do and I don't. There are a lot of the songs on this album that are, as you just said, parts of songs. And I wish that they had been explored and and uh, um, elongated to the point where I do hear a second verse um, or what the guitar solo would sound like or you know what what the next two minutes might sound like for this song because I do like the bit that's here. I like the one minute. I like the 58 seconds. Gosh, I wish there were two more minutes to the song. Um, do you remember Watch Me Jumpstart, the... Uh... The third track kind of jumps right into that song. I have it starred. I have certain songs from this album starred uh, as the, the the highlights of the album. This one is a highlight, huh? This is a this is a pretty great song. I th- it's definitely one of those things. Every now and then, guided by voices is just hip slang almost. Like there's a lot of lyrics or titles of songs that I've used in conversation. And watch me jumpstart is something I've said. Yeah, you know, obviously aware of where it's coming from, but just as a kind of thing of watch, you know, when I'm about to do something or about to do something bigger or louder. So this, I don't know, this I've used this as a little shorthand of saying stuff for like 20 years, and I like this song because it, it's it's it, uh, it it seems to be asking you to pay attention. Yeah, like it's 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 drunk like a replacement song, but it's a little more. Uh, there's a confidence, I think, in the song. The replacements didn't seem to, at least in a lot of their songs, have the confidence. They were always the the fuck ups. It's it's interesting to me because yeah, this is a drunk band, but it's something I never could quite be, which is a confident drunk. Do you get a sense of that? Do you do, does this song strike you as a, a personality in any way? Uh, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, as I was listening to it um, the last couple of days, this song and others on the album kind of stood out as watch what we can do, listen to what I'm talking about, this is important shit. Don't know if it is exactly, a lot of it is very cryptic. A lot of the lyrics don't necessarily seem like these words should go together, if that makes sense. Not this song. This song, I think, is more straightforward, but a lot of the other songs are just a collection of phrases in a way sometimes. Yeah. I, I, are they memorable? Like, do you sing along with Guided by Voices songs? Um, I sing along to certain parts. Um, I would have to say, like music for me, there's there's different um, aspects of music and different songs will hit me in different ways. Some songs will be just the the melody and the tune and the mood that it, gives me irregardless of what the lyrics actually are and this album was more like that this was more like a mood album um and it but it was a, a drunken night this was and and also because i listened to it and first heard it uh post-college when we were in our youth and throwing parties and and having a good time um this album was a soundtrack to that Again, irregardless of what the songs were actually about, per <laughs> sure. se. Um, and, and so that that's how this album kind of sits with me. But it is sitting as the full album then, or, or is there more full experience than individual tracks? It's become individual tracks. I think we listened and you played the album 
Um, and I probably listened to the album as a whole back then. But then over time, I would divide it up. Um, it would become material for mixtapes. And so I would find the songs that fit what the mixtape needed. And so it became songs as opposed to the whole album. That's what's weird about going back to this as the full album is I haven't had this experience in a while. And there is something about the positioning of these songs that works. Um, the next song, They're Not Witches. Do you remember this song? Um, I do remember the song. If you're asking if I remember the melody, no. No, but do you have any notes or thoughts on it? Yeah, actually, this was the first one. I wrote this on a couple, and this was the first one I did this. Um, and I don't mean to minimize the songs. This was just a thought I had as I was listening. But in a way, these came off as sort of like musical tweets. Like a oh. little, you know, you're only allowed 26 words, 42 words, whatever it is, uh, 120 characters. Um and so I fit my 120 characters in. I can't give you anything else. And I've set it to music. So here you go. This one was the first one that I wrote that down. I feel like it fools you, or fooled me at least, into thinking it was a song. And I think now you're describing that way. It is, it's something else. And because he's working in the medium of an album, they're working in the medium of an album. It has to be presented that way. But yeah. And I don't know enough about the band. Uh, maybe this is something a, a super fan would know. But it's almost like it, he's more poetic and he has the lyrics written, and the band just gets together and plays some music around it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think calling it a tweet is a pretty smart, smart kind of way of describing it. Again, predating that mindset, though. I don't think in 1995 we were, I wasn't brief. You said it earlier. You've, you've got your notebook with you all the time. You write down these thoughts you have. Um, I think for you, it was probably dialogue between characters that you might have thought of as you saw some people across the park you'd write something down i get that feeling here it's like he's got his notebook he writes down some thoughts about an issue or a concern or or just what he just saw people doing puts it in a poetic way and then gets that out into the world by setting it to music and putting it on an album no that that's and then it works i think it works in that song anyways what do you think of this next track? Track number five is As We Go Up, We Go Down. I wrote down next to it, Love, 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 because I absolutely love this song. This is their first pop song on the album, I think. This is an actual song that we're getting. Yeah, this is, you could play this on the radio for sure. But also just, it's recognizable as a song. Yeah. It's very Beatles-like, I felt like. This was one of the, they have a couple songs that feel the sound kind of like the Beatles. And uh, lyrically, it's so, like, I'll always... Remember the song, the opening line is, um, I can't terrorize, I see terror in your eyes. Just that, that turn of that phrase, I've always absolutely loved. I can't remember the first time I listened to Alien Lanes, but I'm sure when this came up, I was so fucking relieved. And that's not the put down what preceded it, and it's only right. like 10 minutes, but this is at least a song. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that relief. Yeah. Because that relief diminishes immediately with the next song, the <laughs> I Want to Be a Dumb Charger. I, I, I can never remember this song until it starts. And it, it, it kind of it pads the album out. Um, but I don't... <laughs> this 28-song album needed some padding. That's the thing. Like I don't know if this is good or even needed. I, I don't get this other than that it's, it's a brief bridge between two pop songs. We'll get to the next one in a second. 
Like, do you remember this song? Does it do anything for you? I feel like I'm saying that a lot. Sorry. Yeah, no. Um, this is, you know, I, I listed out the, the tracks. This is the way I, I did my notes on it. Uh, I listed out the tracks first and their run times. And then I went through and listened to it and put notes under each track that I had written out. Uh, and I have zero notes under this song. So it's like, it's it's a minute and 14 seconds. So it's not like I didn't hear it. It's 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 not like one of the the under 30 um but it didn't leave an impression on me to even write anything down on it it's not memorable but i think it has a place i think it's important because we had our first pop song a moment ago we enjoyed that i think this is kind of a little bit of a you know you 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 had your moment of elevation you had your your, your moment of clarity of, of drunken clarity now you got to fumble your steps a little bit again because track number seven, if you know, if, if we were to whittle this album and this band down to something, track number seven is a song called "Game of Pricks," and this song I think is one of the most perfect songs of like my experience of listening to music. I love this. This is one of my fucking favorite songs. Do you like this song? I wrote "Perfection." Next to right. it. That was my why, note. That, why did you write that? What's your take on this? Because I, I don't want, I uh, could ramble on about you, it. You should ramble on about it. I mean, it's just musically, lyrically, uh, the melody. It's just, it's everything you want from a song, I think. And what's it saying to you, though? What is this song? Because that's a big part of why this song works for me. Previously, this was, again, one of those tonal songs, one of those mood songs, one of those background songs soundtrack songs for me um but then the more that i would get into the lyrics of it to me it seems like it's just how you have to to play a game in relationships and people and you have to maybe not have always be nice I, it could be you know as an asshole or a prick um all these people trying to backstab and figure out truths and lies and all this kind of stuff um, but again, that's not like the lyrics weren't the things that first really grabbed me. Um, but it has no, sense. And it's, and I used to mishear one of these lyrics, like what won me over. There's a lyric, I'll never ask for the truth, but you owe that to me. That's a confident demanding line in a relationship. And I always heard it as I'll never ask for the truth. You don't, you don't owe that to me. I always thought there Ooh. was a, I always thought that was a weird spin of, Optimism. It wasn't until reading the lyric recently that I was like, oh, that changes everything. Does it ruin the song for you? It doesn't ruin the song. And, and I, I don't think it changes the song. It changes my perception of me as a person. Like the song got things about me I didn't get. That I'll never ask for the truth, but you owe that to me. That is 20-something arrogance. That is the guy who keeps his, you know, his secrets to himself, but expects people to know them. That's the guy who has a crush on his friend, but will never ask them out. You know, these repeated cycles that we go through our life. It's all about being a jerk. That not opening up to someone and demanding people act a certain way. I mean, this this song hits on feelings with its words and its music. You know, like Lou Reed's heroin, like Liz Fair's Six Feet One, and or or so many replacement songs it's perfectly crafted for me and for what it's saying and i think the reason it works is it's exposing a side of me that's gross it's exposing an unfortunate aspect of 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 
struggling to be social. And that's why that title, Game of Pricks, it's just going out in the world. We're all just assholes for a while. I think I've matured past this song a bit. I hope, maybe, who knows. But uh, God, for you know, talk about a song that just hit. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I listened to this just today. Like I was listening to the album through and I just, I, I played this and rewound this probably five times before moving on to the next song. The poor next song that has to come after this. I don't know. <laughs> Game of Pricks was instrumental in getting me to love this band, um, which is why I feel bad for the next song. <laughs> the poor next song. Ugly, ugly Vision. Do you know this song? You keep asking if I know the songs. Yes, I, I listened to it all day today. Um, are you asking if I recall and can tell you what the song was? No, this is this is not not a standout for me. Um, it's a slower song. <clears throat> um, it seemed to, if I recall, it had like a almost a twang to it. I wouldn't call it country per se, but um, there was definitely a, a slow twanginess to it. Yeah, I always skipped it. Sure, why would you not? That's the thing. Listening to it today, having to listen to it for the purpose of the show, I really dug into and questioned what's this song's purpose? You know, why why release this song on the album? Is it part of the process? Because it's not a polished piece. I, I just, what is it? Okay, what is it? That's a good question. Let, can I read you the lyrics? It won't take very long. Sure. Um, so I've got the, the liner notes here. I'll read exactly what it says. I resign myself to the resource. That is unless I can't go out, should I concede. Sell yourself to the man, feel my good hand, and she flees pell-mell so sick to have been. That's it. It's poetic. I'd have to reread it to tell you what, it, what it's about. It doesn't quite rhyme the way a song should rhyme. You know, it's just, it's, 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 it's more of a poem than a song. Uh... And so you're asking why it's here. I think he feels there's something to be said in these lyrics. But it's a fragment. I mean, as you read it right now, written on a page, read, that's one thing. But it's in the medium of an album. They're, they're musicians. They're putting it out as a song. And I just, I'm, I'm not challenging it other than to say this particular one. I'm trying to figure out why. Because it does something. It's here. This would be a 27-track album, not a 28 if the song wasn't here. But And to hear you read it, yeah, you're right. We could go back and, and, and interpret that. But so many other songs are working the way songs work. I, I, it's, it's odd to me. I don't know what they are when something like this comes up. Are these all the songs that they recorded for that session? And this is they're all here? You know, they just... Recorded 28 songs and put 28 songs on on the album? I'm not sh- I don't think so, because I think a couple of these songs previously appeared elsewhere in different forms. Mm. I do think these are evolving snippets and stuff like that. So, so these are the cleaner versions? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a box set of, of B-sides, but I only have that because I already like the band. Right. It's an effort to listen to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You're digging in with prior knowledge. So that's like the behind the scenes kind of, here's what could have been. Here's some demos. Here's pieces of songs that, again, you'll recognize in later songs. And see, not hearing those, I've never heard those. I sometimes feel like these are the demos in a way. Any of these could be a demo for a, for a longer, more polished song. But where's that song? It, it's never come to be. This is all they, they felt that this was enough for that song. This is what this song needed to be. 
this is an album. This is the album that got me into them. This is an album that gets played. I demos of things like that. I like demos. They're fun, but you know, and some of them maybe impact me a little. But they are different, and they need the prior knowledge of a band to be impactive. What in this album hooked me enough that I didn't stumble over those kind of things? This album does something different than other albums, and I don't quite know what that is. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hey everyone ever, this is Tim Blevins, and do you have that one thing, you know, an album or action figure that isn't necessarily your favorite thing, but uh, somehow encapsulates who you are and how you got to be there? Well, I want to have a consensual discussion on that very ephemera, which is why I'm launching Menage a Pop, a three-day-a-week podcast where I and a guest get into some uh, very personal conversation about some very pertinent pop culture. And you, listener, get to be the secretive voyeur by checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Not A Holograms homepage of nahpods.com. So come and get some dirty insight into your partner's single, your co-worker's card game, or your house cat's cosplay with new episodes of Menage a Pop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Get streaming, you big perv! to the Transformers. Um, the next track, uh, Good Flying Bird, it's track number nine. Um, it's quick and catchy, and there's no drums. This is another really kind of Beatles-like song, I felt like. Yeah, this is another one that I have down as, as uh, one that I absolutely love off this album. And to bring mixtapes back into it, um, whenever I got to the end of a mixtape and I had just a little bit time left, I, I wanted to fill up that whole tape, so I would always pull out Misguided by Voices album to see which 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 song I could squeeze in there. This one more than any other would 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 be used. Now, do you remember it beyond the length of it? Do you remember how it goes prior to listening to it today? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because I've heard it so often. Um, you know, it's just like you said. It's it's very upbeat. It starts just with a you know a, a quick guitar strumming and then singing pops in immediately. Um, and it's got the the yeah yeah. Uh, vocals in there, which I absolutely love. Yeah, I think that was kind of the Beatles part. And it yeah. Felt a little bit. No, I love this song. It's a great song. Not one I ever remember by title, but when I hear it, I know I like it. Yeah. Um, listening to it today and reading, re- reading through, like I've known the lyrics, but kind of really reading them. Um, I, I really like this because you were talking about how Game of Pricks solidifies your 20s. Um, reread these lyrics. Um, not now because we have to move on, but this is this is great because it it it's a reflection of life, and 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 how we are now and how we were then and everything was great, but it wasn't that great. It's it's really it's really a great song. Very cool. Uh, the next track, "Cigarette Tricks," is a good title, but why? This is a this is one of those things where today I'm like, this is twenty seconds. Again, I think this is one of these. It, it's if you read the lyrics only it's it's a pretty clear character study i think of maybe somebody knows or somebody that he has seen um who is lost and shooting up on the streets and um it's just a quick hit of of a of a character study i think does it need to be on the album 
I, I don't know. But again, I think he has something he wants to say. Huh. Yes, I don't know the lyrics. And this is followed by track 11, Pimple Zoo. This kept making me think of, um, is it Abbey Road? What's the Beatles song that kind of has like Mean Mr. Mustard and then through the open window, the different songs all make up one song? Uh, yeah, I think that is Abbey Road. That's Abbey Road. I feel like the, the, a lot of this album kind of does that. Like the songs lead into each other a little bit. So when you're listening to the album in full, going from Cigarette Tricks to Pimple Zoo, it's all part of one audio sound. But breaking it up into track numbers, like I don't remember what Pimple Zoo sounded like. Yeah. I know I've said it four times now. but <laughs> it, 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 these, And that's why I'm just like, I don't get what these are doing. But I didn't read the lyrics to Cigarette Tricks. This to me was an, another example of he's got some lyrics that work well with this particular melody. Let's record that. I feel like I want to hear what the rest of this song could have been. Like, I like this refrain. Oh, you do? The, the sometimes I get the feeling you don't want me around. Um, which is basically repeated two or three or four times. And then the song's over. But I feel like, oh, just put that put that bridge in there and get to the next part of the song. Let's get the the chorus going because I like the sound of this. I like where it could go, but then it never goes there. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that you could tape together and build a song out of. Like you yourself could probably do that right now. So it's odd that it's here. I mean, this next track, was it Big Chief Chinese Restaurant, track 12? I like this one. Um, it feels like a Lewis Carroll kind of character. But again, it's a rambling kind of series of lines, I guess. And it's followed up by a real song. <laughs> uh, track 13, Closer You Are. Do you like this song? I do. I do like this song. Um, I actually, I think I quoted this song in a tweet, no less, uh, uh, a few weeks ago before we even uh, decided on this topic. Um, the closer you are, the quicker it hits you. Um, just the idea of that can be applied to so many things, good and bad. Kind of shows how economical they are. Like this is another great pop song with great lyrics and they don't, not that I don't mind this stuff, but they don't waste their time on like solos. Oasis, it is not. Like, just because I mentioned them earlier, you're talking about they just get to the heart of the matter. And then I was just thinking that uh, um, I recently listened to um, All Around the World by Oasis, which is a seven and a half minute, almost eight minute song that just repeats lyrics over and over again, plays the same refrains. I love the song. It's great. I like it. But it's it's the opposite of what this album does, what this band does, for, for sure. For Oasis, does seven minutes seem like a long time for a song? Uh, seven minutes is about average. No, it's it's the, one of the longer songs. I mean, they, they, they probably go four or five minutes is their average. Yeah, like I can't picture being able to take a five-minute Guided by Voices song. I don't think I could. Right? I know there are a couple. I, I, I could. Have to like there the... the there's the the ones that I call perfection. I could listen to for five minutes. I could just play it on repeat. I was actually saying to myself, I could play the opening baseline of this uh, whole album from a salty salute over and over. I just listen to that on repeat, no problem. Sure, I can listen to it on repeat, but I think it's a it's because I'm trying to trying to catch up to that feeling. Like I can't, you know, like I game of pricks. I put on a loop because I just love how that song makes me feel. So I want to feel it again. I can't imagine game of pricks having five minutes of lyrics and structure to it. I can't see this being the band that can do that. 
like even this next track, Auditorium, I mean, this sounds like the start of a song that kind of never comes. <laughs> but I feel like it's needed. Do you, How many bands do you listen to where you, the song can't be taken out of context from the album? This song doesn't work except as part of what precedes it and comes after it. I don't listen to music that way anymore. So that's maybe why it's jarring now. Yeah. And, and this album does it a lot. Like you were saying how it, like the songs don't fade out. They just change to the next song. Like they literally just, it's almost like they're playing it live and their instruments start the next song, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if, if they play around with the order, like I wonder if this is how they rattle them off. Like the next song, Motor Away. This might've been the first song of theirs I ever heard. Was it on a mix? Did someone share it with you? No, there's, um, in 1996, I bought a double disc compilation called What's Up Matador. And, um, I think that because they were featured on this thing, this kind of made me think, okay, they're indie rock. They normally never sound like any other band, but on this one, I feel like they kind of do. And I like this song, but does it sound like the album? Does it, does it sound like it fits this album? I don't think it does. To, to me, it, it does. There's another song I think that's coming up that I feel feels less like this album. This one didn't stand out as not being a part of the album. Did the next track hit stand out at all? I actually wrote, why include this? It's like 23 seconds. It doesn't seem to tell me anything. It's mostly taken up by a gay slur. Which, uh, if I'm reading the uh, the notes correctly here in the liner notes, I don't know if you have your liner notes in front of you. Um, I don't know if this is just a joke or if there is really a band called that slur um, with giggling in front of it. Uh, they say that band appears courtesy of uh, Startled Rat Records, and I don't know if Startled Rat Records is real. It's 22 seconds of franticness. <laughs> um, and I think because I love the song that comes after it, maybe, and I knew that was coming up. But like you've been saying before, though, does the chaos of that song make the next one sound that much better because it's like, oh, now I'm into this. Now I'm, I'm through that. And now here's this. Well, what's the next song? It's called My Valuable Hunting Night. The, you know, the whole concept of this song of kind of like hacking your way, forging a better life, I feel like, and a better life than society, I feel like is, is kind of what that's about. That's something my 20-something mind was very much thinking that spoke to me. And so maybe that's what you're doing with these little snippets. You're, you're hacking through them. You know, with your tiny little pocket knife. It's too bad that it goes into Gold Hick, the next track. Yeah, another one where I wrote down, it's just like a musical tweet. It doesn't stand out. I can't think of how it goes. Like, before, I was I was humming in my head uh, the, the, the refrain of My Valuable Hunting Knife, but I can't tell you how Gold Hick goes. And just like you said, it leads into, I think, a beautiful song. And what track are we up to? We're up to track 19, King and Caroline... I used to use this one, the soundtrack, a lot of feelings. Like there's like a drone to it, an echo to it that feels very epic emotionally. And I don't even know what that emotion is. Do you have any connection to it? No, this one never really connected with me. Um, it's it's a decent enough song, um, but it yeah, it didn't didn't connect with me. They have other songs that sound similar to this. There's a song called Beekeeper Seeks Ruth. There's a song called uh, Gleamer from an earlier album. I don't know if it's lethargic or dysthemic, but it's like a, it maintains a certain sorrow, like a beautiful sorrow. And this song is pretty instrumental in keeping me into the band. 
What was not very instrumental was Striped White Jets, track 20. I like it. If there's less on this album, I would listen to this. I would know this song. It's a longer song. It's over two minutes. It is. But it's also just diluted because there's too many tracks, I feel. Um, I even feel that with the next one, which has some of my favorite lyrics, but X Supermodel. Oh, this is the one I can't listen to. Oh, really? The lyrics are fine. The lyrics are interesting. Yeah. But there's that snoring throughout the song that may be instrumental to what the song is trying to say, but I can't stand it. Does it not affect you? What I'm remembering right now is the I write music for soundtracks now line. Yeah. Like I I, I like the feeling this one. This is one of the one of two songs maybe that actually fades out. Did you know it was coming up? Did you remember it was coming up? I remembered that there was a song that has this snoring nor- noise playing throughout. I didn't know it was X Supermodel, but when it started, I recognized it right away. And I was like, I can't believe Tim's making me listen to this. I think I could be doing so much else for almost two minutes. Do you think they could remove it? Like, is oh, this yeah. something? You... Like, that's the thing. There's this, and there's another song coming up where if they had just corrected or removed this one aspect, I would absolutely really enjoy the song. Um, the because the, because there's a melody there. There's there's a really good idea with the lyrics, um, talking about life and and choices and and using people, um, but. The fact that they included or allowed this snoring noise to be throughout. And again, I, I had to think, is this a conscious decision? I mean, it had to have been conscious. You hear it. I'm not sure I know the snoring sound. Oh, listen to it again. It is just this <laughs> throughout. It's, it's, you'll hear it now that you know to listen for it. Um, I mean, I just heard it in these headphones. Thanks. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like, I kind of think, okay, what, did they record the song and somehow that leaked into the track and they didn't realize it and they couldn't capture the magic again so they used that version? Or did they make sure the snoring was there because it's telling us something else on another level, like your story is boring? I don't care about your life and what what you're doing now. Is that what they're trying to say? I don't know, but it... it ruins the song would you want to hear another version of this song would you seek out a live version of something just to hear what it sounds like um i would and i did for another song that that we've yet to talk about i wanted to hear of another version of it and i i sought that one out yes this one didn't really didn't hurt me the way it sounds like it's hurting you oh please go listen to it again and tell me that you you can hear what i'm talking about i don't know if i can find the time <laughs> um track 22 yeah let's go 90 this one gets stuck in my head a lot. All the time I get this stuck in my head. Oh, you do? Yeah. I think this is their most fully realized song on the album. Not just because it has strings in it, although it does have it strings does. in it. That's what gets stuck in my head, that string line. It sounds great. It sounds wonderful. It's a political song. Is it? I have no clue. No? Do you have any sense of what's going on in the song? I really listened to it this time, which and it it hits me very differently than their other songs. Yeah, uh, I, I I just don't know. Again, it's like a lot of things randomly put down. I don't I don't get all the references if if these are real, you know, specific things like Canary Court. I don't know what that might refer to. I think it's a song about blocking out the actual awfulness of history. You know, Ronald Reagan and, 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 and I don't know, shit like that. I 
patriotism or fake nostalgia. I don't know. I I never listened to it as uh, lyrically until today for that. I never got that before. I've always liked the song, but yeah, they. This is a song that should tell you a lot about the band. This is a almost like a story song. This is the most autobiographical, or I'm making it the most autobiographical thing about the band. It's weird. Yeah, it's very out of place when to listen to these lyrics. I love them, and I agree with some of them if I'm interpreting them the way I think they are. They're very dense. It's a dense set of lyrics. Right. Like, do you get a sense of where they're from from this album? Is there any sense of, you know, like some bands you're like, oh, this feels like small town, this feels like the city, or I'm relating to it. Do you get a sense of identity from this band? Um, Somewhat. Like, I think when I first would listen to it, I I saw them as like a Midwest type of band, garage, garage musicians. Um, Not in the, not, not in the big cities at all. Just finding it hard to do something with your with your time because there's nothing in, nothing in town. So, is there a character throughout the album? Is is there a unifying concept that, or theme that I've never gleaned? No, no. But do, are you hearing that? Are you? Well, I mean, I'm I'm wrapped up in who I thought I was at the time because that's what I was relating to. I I think this is. I think these albums are very much the drunken like pseudo philosopher this is very much the guy who has thoughts or the girl who has thoughts has feelings about where they are it's one of those stumbled and stalled out kind of things you know you're smarter than your friends but that doesn't mean you're the smartest in the world and you're you've got these concepts you can grasp at maybe that's why a lot of this works it's this grasping at something big like you're good with words he's good with words but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I there there is a narrator in this. I'm not sure. I don't know what the full concept is, but I think Alien Lanes, like to, even just as a, as a title, it, it it's it's there's outsider to that. There's an outsider to that, and also I just think of airports, thinking of stuff coming and going, coming and going. These alien lanes with people constantly coming and going out of the town into my life, whatever. And I think these songs hit on that a lot. I think Straw Dogs is a little bit about that. Track twenty three. Yeah, this was the track that that to me sounds like it's out of place. Oh, really? It has a different vibe than everything that's come before it. Mm-hmm. I feel. I mean, it's very four tracky. This is very much like the Tobin Sprout album. I like. Do you like it? Um, I I have it marked as liking it. I've got a star next to it. I'm on page three of my notes for this 28 track uh, thing, uh, but I don't have any other notes. Beyond it sounding out of place. Um, so, and, and though I wrote down, <clears throat> excuse me, though I wrote down that it sounds out of place, I can't think of how it sounds right now. But it didn't make you curious. Like, you don't want to hear more of this or more of this artist from this song's point of view. No, it didn't didn't grab me that way. This song also fades out, which for some reason was really jarring this time. And it fades out into... My second least favorite album, or favorite second least favorite song on the album? Really? Chicken Ch- Blows. Chicken Blows. This is the song that I wanted to go out and hear a different version of. Oh, really? Because I hear a really sweet song and a sweet melody underneath this bad production, at least vocal production. The vocals on this are wavering throughout the entire song. 
like somebody's like doing the thing where you hit your throat as you were talking and you sound like you're underwater. And I've heard, I so I went out and I saw some covers, just some amateur people, just who fans of the band covering the song. I found them on YouTube. They all sound great. Like, I think this is a great song hidden under that bad vocal production. And again, it's it's when I, I just am irritated by, is this a conscious choice to make your vocals sound so shitty? So you don't buy it, kind of. It sounds it's a little showy for you. Yeah. Or or was it like you hit record and the tape was warped and this is what came out and you appreciated that. You liked that. You thought, yeah, this is the rawness of what we did. So this is what we're going to release. Are you distracted by something that's well produced? Do you question why was it produced this way? I don't think I say why was it produced this way necessarily. Although sometimes I do. Sometimes I think about the choice of a glockenspiel or chimes at this moment um, because they stand out um, probably negatively uh, at that time. Anything that's released is a production choice. Anytime you get your hands on an album that was bought, it was produced a certain way. Whether they're like, I just did this in my basement and it's a one take Charlie, that's me, whatever. It's still a choice and still part of production because they're not in the room. So something had to process it. And, and it's interesting that the lower rent stuff like this is the stuff that you question. This whole album could be classified as lower rent. I mean, I don't think they make a secret of the fact that they're doing this on the cheap and they're doing it on four tracks and they didn't necessarily do it in a, in a highly uh, expensive, decked out studio. And I love most of this album. This song frustrates me because i hear a song that i could listen to over and over again under this but i can't get through it because of the choice as you're saying the choice that they made for these vocals to have this wavering filter uh, across it so you like them to have bumped up the production a little on this one for this song i wish they had cleaned the vocals yes okay because it makes it hard for me to to hear it just like there's other songs on here that i it's a little hard for me to listen to because of the cacophony of it, perhaps. Um, but I think I feel robbed <laughs> with this song because there's actually a song under here I want to listen to. It's weird because I, I feel like it goes on for too long. It's only <laughs> two and a half minutes, but I do feel like this song is too long. Yeah. I wonder if a another version of it would feel out of place. I mean, it would now because we know the album so well. Right. But I wonder if there had to be a conscious choice not to fix the the the, the recordings, not to update it. Like I, I am again, curious say, about that. We say fix it. It might not have been broken. That might have been what they intended. But okay, but it didn't. It's not working for you. So I'm right. saying from our, our vantage point there. Once it ends, <laughs> uh, this next song, track twenty five, "Little World." I like this one. Yeah, this is. Uh, this is sort of just a good rift. You know, I know I was saying before, they don't do a lot of solos or stuff, but this one, this is kind of like a victorious uh, sounding song. The I don't care what you do anymore lyric and everything. Truthfully, when I've, in the past, when I've like quit a job or left an uncomfortable situation behind, you know, a room where I don't like being there or an argument or something, this song plays in my head a lot. This one has kind of really stuck with me. I wish, I wish we had that ability, and I guess we do with our phones, if you've got this song on your phone, you could just pull it right up. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to make the listener have to do some work here, but no. But I'm just saying, in in your life, like to literally, instead of think about the song, to just actually put 
put your headset in and, and play it. You don't do that? I feel like I do that all the time. I think <clears throat> I do that a lot of times. So I'm um, walking around, going play. That's I don't know thing, that I always, do. I don't know that I look for, in a situation, a specific song. Okay, I guess I've done it. I mean, stuff fits, and this one I think fits. I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you like My Son Cool, the next song? It, you know, it's fine, which is the exact word that I have written next to it. It's fine. <laughs> I, it doesn't stand out. I think this one kind of really works because of the shape of the album. I mean, I think knowing that we're coming up in the last two tracks. And I feel like the end of the album has um, longer songs. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like these last, you know, three, four, five songs, um, it, it sort of slows the album down a little. In a bad way? Well, no, not in a bad way, but... Instead of jumping from track to track so quickly, from song to song with little snippets, it slows things down because you're you're listening to um, lengthier lengthier tunes. In re-listening to the album, this back half of the album, I know less. Like I was I was less familiar with it. My son Cool needs to be where it is. I think um, Little World I think needs to be where it is. Even this next song, Always Crush Me, which I don't like. I think its position is pivotal in, in getting ready to bring the album to a finish. It's the next to last track. I want to get through it. It's, it. I wrote down that it's like an acoustic march. Yeah, but do you? I don't like it though. Like it, it's weird. Like it's here to kind of break up three good songs. <laughs> and I guess it, it's vital though. It only works when you play this as a full album, which I hadn't done in a while. Um, because again, I, I make playlists and stuff, but I think it works there. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's odd. It, it it's it's a track I don't like that makes me love this next track, the closer, the very last song. All right, which is just a big finish. You know, it's just driving yeah. guitars. It's just a chorus of voices saying, "All right." It's, it's heavy. It's triumphant. Similar to the opener. I mean, I think this album opens and closes perfectly. Nice. This pretty much needs to be played from front to back. And again, I don't know why. I don't know what it's doing. But um, otherwise, it, it just yeah it becomes distracting snippets to me. I mean, there are distracting snippets in here. But there are also, we, we've talked about a few, at least five songs that I think could be pulled out of this and, and listened to um, separately from the album. There's a bit of a play being put upon me is a bit of a good luck with this <laughs> here you go <laughs> encryption work your way through it i'm done kind of joke going on that i i can really get behind now that's why shortly after this album i fell out of the band they eventually did become polished which isn't bad they're talented they want to do what they want to do but they had songs that were songs these albums alien lanes and, and stuff they are very uh they're like secret knowledge almost you have to work to get something out of it, but they really, I don't know, they, they, they drive their talents into you. They, they pull you in, they reflect you, they, they empower you. I don't know, this, this album came at the right time for me. Yeah, it's a rewarding listen. You know, if, if you can get through the things that are a little uncomfortable to hear at first, because it's just not what you're used to, it's not radio friendly per se, you're, you've, but you find it under there. It's an album that I was introduced to at, at that perfect moment where I was, I felt as raw as this music, 
you know? And so it really fit. And so it, it connected there for sure. And so that I'll never, that'll never be separate when I hear these songs. This happened to come out at a time where I was still discovering what music could be and how music came out. And I like that sensation. I don't know how it works. I don't know how to do it anymore. So I think I'm happy that something like Alien Lanes exists, at least to remind me of that. That's a nice bow on this podcast, Tim. Well, if you like bows, but more so if you like this podcast, then why not check out 20popcasts.com, which is actually now called nahpods.com, the new website. It's a website where this show, 20th Century Pop, is listed. Most recent episodes, past episodes, you can go there, you can subscribe to this show. I would say if you go there, people, if you check that out, if you head there, check out a little something called Menage a Pop. It's another podcast. What? A totally different podcast that I recently started, started this week. Bob, you're the guest all week. They're shorter episodes, they're 20-minute little bits, of, again, about pop culture, but kind of a little more intimate or personal angle. There'll be new guests every week. I guess I'm telling people to go check that out because, uh, you know, I did such a poor job of promoting it. Check it out. NAH no, I Pods. will promote it then. I think it's yes, fantastic. Yes, please do. Uh, the, the concept is, is really great. We, we, uh, we talk... Uh, at length here on this podcast about a particular topic that means something to both of us or is maybe meaningful to the world at large. Menage Pop is really cool because you're going to talk uh, briefly about very specific things that mean something to, to the people that you have on. Um, so I'm looking forward to future episodes of that. Well put. I wish you had started the little closing here because that <laughs> was well put together. Um, do you have anything you want to say about yourself? Well, you're on those. That is promoting yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, you'll you'll hear me. I mean, it might sound uh, a little bit like the show, but just in, you know, very specific to me uh, um, uh, snippet, I guess, because it is a it's a shorter. It's it's a nice little quick conversation about things. Um, so check it's that out. It's a snippet. I guess. Yeah. Snippet, you said. It's a hit. You said snippet. It's a hit. It's a snip hit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, <laughs> that's how we, we close our episode. That's how we're closing this one. That was a lot of album to get through. Oh, yeah. I thought we put it, kept a pretty good pace to it, I think. I think some of it was longer than the songs, but sure. Sure. I bet that's very true. I know that's I'm not going to run a clock on it, but uh, hopefully the listener uh, agreed positively with that. Let's hear more talk, less actual album. It's probably what they're saying themselves. I would like to find an album that I love and have them talk more about it (laughs) than the album exists. Maybe we can do that. Maybe I can get some of my singles out. Maybe I can get my Do You Believe in Love with a B-side of Working For a Living Out There. And for the nine minutes that that song exists, maybe they could talk 20 minutes about each of them. That'd be good. I would like that. I would like that. Let's do that. Well, then we will. Let me just find my singles. Hope you like Lou Graham. any of this really that was my uh, next question you don't want me to use it's, that other part it's just about it's, the I don't think the audience would want to listen to it I that's all if they, if they come on and they're like oh oh they're talking about uh, Guided by Voices album that I really like and then they listen to four to eight minutes of piss and crap 
shit. Yeah, well, if they're cleaning their bathroom while they listen to it, they're like, oh, I should do that. That's a good idea. I, mean, I should I, rinse that I off. Guess I, I guess it's... It wouldn't go into the small episode. Portion it's a small portion. It's a small portion. Yeah. Be doing that. Well, let me... I have two questions for you. One, how many... Yeah. How big of an audience do you think we have? Twelve people. Okay. And how many of them do you think clean their own toilets? Uh, um, all twelve. All twelve do. And I know this yeah. for a fact. They do it while they're listening. Okay. I was looking well, at our rankings on iTunes. We're the, we're the third highest rated pop culture podcast for toilet bowl cleaning, which is pretty good. 